Section four of the Rose Colored World and Other Fantasies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Rose Colored World and Other Fantasies by Ethel Mary Brody. The Hermit of Saguenay. Once upon a time, in a little village of Quebec, on the edge of the Saguenay River, where the rocks frown forever, grew up a little garçon, Francois by name. In spirit, Francois was a lonely, isolated boy. He played and fought with the boys of the village, yet remained separate from them, separate with the refined nature of a poetic soul, separate with a glowing spark of the saint esprit. The strange, dreamy garçon, Francois, who buried his spare hours from play among his flowers. As the years went on, a little girl grew up in the cottage next to Francois's home, a petite, hazel-eyed girl, Isolde, they called her. Fair as the narcissus among Francois's flowers, and as sweet, straight, and pure. She, too, was an isolated child, but the isolation was that of frailty. She never romped with the other children. A delicate flower was Isolde, light as a breath of wind, and easily bent as the grass in the field, windswept. The years floated on. Isolde and Francois drew together from opposite poles of life. Francois was big and strong and hearty, a robust, blue-eyed garçon. But the poetry of the flowers rhymed the natures of the two children. They dreamed together the seasons through from the chill time of the crocus and the awakening of the hyacinth and the violet till the roses shed their leaves and the golden rod faded with the reddening of the autumnal foliage wonderful visions had francois and isolde some were sweet with fairies others dark and tragic like the saguenay one day they sat under the trees in francois's garden reading a weird tale from a book of fairy stories, and the sunshine streamed through the branches, flecking the brown curls of the boy as he read and falling on Isolde's pale face as she lay on the grass beside him. The wind skipped down the Saguenay and tossed the waves with white foam. The sun poured over the bare rocks, the scrubby trees and the black waters, throwing long fantastic shadows across the gray wilds of peak and cove, bluish vapors floated above the rocky ramparts, here and there a trickling streamlet tumbled down the proud precipices, and the occasional note of a bird trilled from the stern solitudes, a tender sound in the midst of granite silence, remote and sweet. It was a strange story they read together, and wonderfully illustrated, and the boy and girl thrilled with its horrors. It told of the adventures of a boy who had wandered, by some mischance, into a giant's palace, hidden underground. Great stony sphinxes glared at him out of the cliff-like walls. Petrified grins mocked the frightened wanderer as he entered deeper into the cavernous passages and halls. Amid the glowering eyes and gaping mouths, the boy lost himself. Yawning crevices opened to swallow him into an abyss of gloom. 
black hands of rock were stretched out to grasp him as he hurried on great precipices of rock hung overhead as if ready to fall upon the terror-stricken child the boy felt that the walls would crush in upon him and kill him everywhere a maze of rocky windings everywhere a mist of impenetrable darkness rare gleams of light shone across the passages only to throw into terrifying relief the grinning faces and outstretched arms of stone the lonely wanderer pursued his trembling way fearful and despairing for the fear of being crushed to death haunted and tormented him they were in the midst of the tale when isolde jumped up suddenly and caught the book out of francois's hands stop francois she cried in half terror i can't stand it any more it is awful francois looked up coolly what's the matter with it i think it's fine said he i don't care if you do i won't hear another word of it never again and isolde threw the book into the hedge Francois got up quietly, went over to the hedge and picked it up, whereupon Isolde stamped her little foot and demanded defiantly, Francois, what would you do if you were caught in a great awful place like that and could not get out? Francois sat in silence a while, staring at his flowers. I wouldn't mind at all if there were flowers in the palace. And then, glancing at Isolde, and most of all, if you were there, but what if there were no flowers persisted isolde half angry half inquisitive i'd have you and i'd rather have you than the flowers a million times answered francois composedly but what if i wasn't there what would you do pursued the fair inquirer francois's face grew dark and he frowned i'd fight my way out he said determinedly why worried Isolde, now bent on teasing. Because I couldn't live without you, and I'd fight my way back to you, and the flowers, somehow. And a cloud crossed Francois's face as he glanced at the slim, pale-faced girl standing in the sunlight. And if you couldn't do that? queried Isolde, beginning to be appeased. I'd die bravely thinking of you, Isolde, and the flowers and francois set his lips firmly then isolde ran up to him and threw her arms around his neck francois caught her passionately and kissed her sweet lips and the fairy tale ended for isolde would never listen to it again francois and isolde played together sang together and sometimes quarreled the quarrels were always mended by flowers and Francois, knowing how big and strong he was compared to pale petite Isolde, always made the first advances. Over the hedge that separated the two homes, Francois flung some flowers, and the flowers were violets, so long as the violets bloomed. Francois and Isolde loved them, and the beloved garden patch ever kept a space for these modest maids of flowerland. The violets duly received by isolde as a peace offering she offered her sweet red lips over the hedge and the breach was mended twas a wonderfully happy life they lived their school days were full of adventures when isolde was in trouble francois helped her out 
when her lessons plodded in the slough of despond he lent a hand and a good brain and pulled his little sweetheart onto solid ground and so isolde and francois grew up like twin flowers in spirit francois was like the deep dark saguenay isolde the stream that bubbled over the rocks and fell into the silent soul of the saguenay as isolde blossomed into womanhood her delicacy increased the fair features became transparent and the long white hands thin like rose leaves veined with a violet the hazel eyes grew larger brighter and a slight tinge of pink flushed her gentle cheeks francois smiled gaily but in his heart he began to wonder and to worry it seemed as if his fair flower was blossoming into its fullness of beauty only to fade days flew past as the two loved and wandered together isolde was too frail to work so her days were spent among the flowers or by the river and when his day's work was done francois joined his fair isolde and the flowers or in the twilight they rambled by the saguenay one moonlit night they wandered to the cliffs the sky was clear and the moon shone in full glory twinkling in ribbons of stars on the waves and shooting lights and shadows among the dark precipices and sombre bays a palace steamer was slowly gliding up the river in the infinite twinnings of the saguenay the moonlight struck athwart the bows or drifted in streams of silver sheen at the stern broken by the receding swells of the steamer like the starry tail of a comet twas a beautiful and solemn scene weird and poetic an endless shoreline of gloomy cliffs frigid in the cold moonlight and threatening in their dull massiveness followed the windings of the saguenay isolde wondered as the vessel glided on which way it would turn next and almost doubted at times whether it would find a way out at all as the barricade of rocks spread before it the defiant cliffs were but sparsely clad with trees which hid their rugged bare surfaces their jutting menacing boulders and overhanging rocks music floated from the salon of the vessel but its gaiety died among the silent precipices and the sombre spirit of the saguenay settled down again as the gay lights of the steamer vanished up the river indeed the saguenay was rather a realization of the fantastic fairy tale which isolde and francois had begun to read years ago when they were children its eeriness was something to be felt but not to be explained it was something inherent in the scenery especially by moonlight which defined the wild desolate cliffs in one part and blurred them in another it was something suggestive and unfulfilled like a cry of agony from the human heart or a beautiful picture that has been marred forever the river flowed on unmindful of the whirl of waters ruffled by the steamer's screw it followed on between mountain peaks and amid unseen valleys breathing no word of the buried lands beneath breathing nothing of the lives lost in its black waves waves which laved few resting places for man but beat continuously at the base of the impregnable cliffs 
in the weird river Sagne. For some time Isolde and Francois had stood looking out on the gloomy moonlit river and beyond to the stern, frowning precipices, and then Isolde broke the silence. Do you remember that horrid tale of the lost boy in the giant's palace which we read years ago? You mean, began to read, suggested Francois with mock solemnity. Isolde laughed. I never let you finish it, did I? she said. No, but I remember it yet. Some day we shall read it through, Cherie, he answered. No, indeed, I won't listen to it, she exclaimed, half defiantly. Francois glanced down at the frail little girl beside him before he spoke, and then said in a tender, teasing tone, Despite all my training, despite everything, you are the same self-willed Isolde of those long-ago days, so we shall not read the harrowing tale if you don't like it. Isolde smiled, and then she said quietly, I hope I shall be self-willed in heaven, if shutting my ears to tragedy is being self-willed. And that tale was a horrid tragedy. The Sagony always makes me think of it. Those great cruel cliffs, fancy tipping over in a rowboat out there on the river. One might swim, but could never scale those steep rocks. And Isolde shuddered. What gloomy thoughts on a night like this, Isolde, exclaimed the young man. I was not thinking of myself, I was thinking of you, she returned as if thinking aloud. Well, I'm not going to drown in the Saguenay, cried Francois, laughing. Isolde was silent, and a wistful look came into her face as she glanced up at Francois. A stern expression had come into his fearless blue eyes, as if he were having a struggle with some dark foreboding or cruel, unwelcome thought. "'Suppose you had to live alone on one of those distant islands away over there in the river,' inquired Isolde, softly. "'I am not thinking of such things, Isolde. While I have you, I will live and love.' But Francois bit his lip hard. "'Wouldn't you like to be a hermit?' asked Isolde again dreamily. "'Never!' burst out Francois passionately. Isolde looked at him in surprise. It's not like Francois to be otherwise than cool. This sudden passionate outburst amazed her. Why? demanded she. And Francois caught her to his breast for answer and covered her face with his kisses. But Francois never slept that night. Isolde's thoughts had disturbed the depths of his soul's river, the silence of pain to which he had been shutting his eyes. Isolde was growing more frail every day. Many days of soft, glowing joy, which had risen with the dawn of love, glided swiftly away. And then came great sorrow for Francois. Isolde, frail always, declined daily. Too weak for their rambles now, she sat in a chair all day on the veranda, and Francois spent every spare moment by her side. Francois and Isolde knew now that the end was not far off. And bravely the man endured his sorrow, patiently resigned while Isolde lived. And sweet were their last talks at sunset time, 
when the day's work was done and the sleepy twittering of the birds announced the coming of night isolde was peacefully gliding into eternity some sweet day she and francois would be together in a world where flowers never faded and there would be flowers such beautiful flowers and always always violets and one sunny summer day the sweet spirit of isolde faded away and the first great agony of loneliness fell upon francois he gathered all his violets and laid them on his little sweetheart a violet among the violets modest gentle sweet quietly was the frail little body of isolde laid in its last resting place and the flowers of each season came and went and the dews and the snows fell softly upon isolde's grave day by day francois's loneliness increased day by day he battled with the fevered spirit that bade him rush into the world and lose himself in its mad whirl long sombre days were these of temptation and the fairy tale came back the tale of the boy shut among the cruel grinning rocks with no light and no refuge the stern solitude of the saguenay pressed in upon him its reticence unrelaxed its majesty unsoftened its solitude unbroken its eeriness impenetrable and its cold dignity uncontrolled by the gentleness of the sunshine or the mingling of light shadow and distance here by the saguenay near isolde's grave he must live and endure in solitary agony francois was being crushed but crushed for a purpose he could not see but the memory of his loved isolde conquered and then came the gift of le saint esprit peace francois decided to join the priesthood and consecrate his life to good deeds and kindness on an isle of the saguenay a lone isle he built his log cabin he laid out a small vegetable garden he collected the herbs of the woods and extracted from them medicines and potions to use in sickness and the poor inhabitants soon learned to love and trust him he ministered to everyone who sought his isle the isle of peace it was called and francois the hermit dwelt there to the end the wild storm of passion was over francois gentle and loving like isolde was living her life over again unconscious of its beauty the years rolled quietly by the isle of peace years of usefulness rowboats shot out from the shore and soon found their way to the little landing of francois isle he had spent his early days in prayer and solitude and vigils but now pilgrims and visitors sought him from everywhere for innate in francois the hermit was a wonderful power of healing and inspiring rich and poor alike sought francois the hermit and his fame spread abroad when lonely passengers sailed past his isle he waved a welcome if barks were wrecked within reach of his rowboat his muscular arms swiftly brought him to the rescue and safety and warmth were found by his kindly hearth his hospitable roof awaited all lonely strangers and generously he gave of his few comforts 
alone among the scrubby trees stood the hermit's cottage alone on an isle of the saguenay surrounded by the solitary peaks and sombre cliffs its little garden sweet with violets and bright with the stray shrubs and flowers of his rocky realm but francois growing old and every day the longing for isolde ever alive became more painful he faltered in his steps his broad shoulders and big frame bent with the years and his hair turned snow-white he grew frail and weak like isolde the vegetable garden was neglected the herbs ungathered the potions ceased lost in his own sorrow the visitors and pilgrims soon ceased to come and the lone isle of peace was deserted by all none whom he had helped succored him now none whom he had blessed aided him he aged alone sorrowing but the spirit of isolde never left him day by day he shrunk into feebleness day by day he neglected his bodily wants and prayed prayed longingly hungrily and one sweet summer day the day on which isolde died francois the hermit sat on his porch the wind glided whisperingly through the trees the waves laved peacefully among the rocks the smell of the violets breathed tenderly on the air francois sat alone a tiny bunch of violets in his hands silently he was dreaming over the wonderful long ago the dear days of isolde how his heart cried out for her isolde isolde and then a great light fell round about him and in its midst the fair face and sweet hazel eyes of isolde smiled upon him isolde isolde he cried in ecstasy what would you have she asked take me take me he answered pitifully thou hast been faithful to me indeed she said that is nothing he murmured i loved you thou hast done all things for my sake and god loves you as you have loved me she returned gently francois the hermit held out his arms and cried i love you i love you isolde isolde come answered she smiling as only angels smile and francois's spirit fled with hers to the land of eternal flowers and the world wondered and went on its way for francois the hermit was found dead alone with a bunch of violets in his hands and the world marvelled at his choice of a lonely life with a whirl of mad joys blazing around him why waste precious days on a lone isle the man was mad so the fairy tale of francois and isolde ended too beautiful for worldly minds to understand too unselfish for earth-born beings to comprehend just a dream of love between a man and a woman but a love that is as rare as rubies end of section four